Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Welcome to the beauty of our Catholic heritage. Our host is Father Jacob Shea, a Norbertine father of St. Michael's Abbey in Orange County, California. Father Shea has a great love for our church's heritage. The beauty of our Catholic heritage with Father Jacob Shea. Welcome back to the beauty of our Catholic heritage here with Father Jacob Shea. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, on this episode, we will speak about my vocation story. So my vocation story begins in Dallas, Texas, where I was born and raised, and I went to Mary Immaculate School in Farmer's Branch, Texas. And here, any part of a vocation story always begins with parents and how they really have, you know, been the first ones who formed the heart of a priest on the natural level and then also the supernatural level. And so I was a really bad student at the beginning and I was not responsible and I treated my work basically like trash and I was not taking school seriously at all. And so I remember when I would go to school, you know, I would just not do my work well. I would just kind of half finish answers and write words, you know, that were half finished, etc. And I would turn that in. And so I would get bad grades. And every week we would have, you know, the paper return day where you would get your packet of papers returned to you. And then your parents would have to sign it each individual paper to say that they saw that paper. And I was a very bad kid, so I ripped out the papers that were not the best of grades, and I only left the ones that were good in there. And so what did I do with those bad tests and quizzes and worksheets? I would just crumple them up and throw them on top of a dish cupboard that we had in our house. So I continued this for quite a while, maybe like maybe a couple weeks or maybe about a month. So there was a big stack of papers on top of this dish cupboard. And one day when I was coming back from home, I was trying my usual shenanigans, living my easy life as a second grader. And my mother caught me throwing something up onto the cupboard. And she asked what it was, and I was just silent. And then she looked up there, and she found all these papers, all the bad grades that I had thrown up there. And, of course, I was punished. I was disciplined. And here, I'm so thankful for my mother for doing this. And then, 
what happened was that I, my father also got involved. And when my father got involved, as maybe in your families, this is the case too, then you know everything is basically over. And so my dad brought me to my room and, you know, he started to spank me. And I'm so grateful for that because I remember very distinctly, I was crying my eyes out. It was basically the end of the world for this little seven-year-old. And so I remember as he was spanking me, I realized, even though I was so scared out of my mind, I remembered that he wasn't really hitting me that hard. And I was in my mind thinking, wow, he's actually not hitting me that hard. It doesn't hurt that much. And it registered in my head that, wow, he was doing this because he loved me. And it was actually very hard for him, you know, to discipline me. But he was still doing it for my good. And boy, was I very, very, very happy because after that night, then I was punished. When I came back to school, I sharpened my pencils, I was organized, and any questions that I had, I would always ask the teacher to make sure I got the answer perfectly right. And from there on, I was basically top of my class, and there really excelled. If that didn't happen in my life, I would be a really bad student to this day. And as a seminarian, we have to study a lot, so I would have bad study habits if it were not um, the case that my parents disciplined me and really punished me justly but very lovingly. And so I'm so grateful for them for doing that. And it really shows you that really tough love is very, very, very powerful and it goes a long way. And even though at the time it's difficult for both the parent and the child to undergo that kind of love, it is very beneficial in the long run. And so I'm really thankful for my parents for that. So after I graduated from Mary Macklet, and I was at the top of my class there at eighth grade, I went to Jesuit College Prep in Dallas. So it's a new ball game here. And all boys school, you know, I was there at the school and there I met a teacher my sophomore year. And the way that he spoke about the faith was just, I never ever heard anything like that before. He was so passionate about the faith. He was so on fire for the faith. And I was just floored. Because he brought in philosophy, theology to our religion class, math, science, every single discipline. I remember we were reading Plato in that class. It was so amazing. And he would just tie everything to God. And when we would do Euclid, that's geometry, he would do geometry in the class. And he would tie that to God. He said, if you do math correctly, you will see God, right? It will lead you to God. That was something I never heard. And everything kind of came together. Everything really came together. And I could see that all truths lead to truth himself, God himself. And so when he would speak about the faith and everything, I was just so in love with the truth. And he was really an amazing teacher. He was somebody who inspired me so much to pursue the truth with wonder and love and he would just be so hungry for the truth so all the you know young men there at jesuit college prep they would go to him 
and they would just love to argue with him, try to find, you know, the meaning of life and all these interesting questions. You know, the trees have souls, dogs have souls, all these different, very fascinating questions. The dog go to heaven, all these interesting questions. We'll probably talk about that later. But here, all these amazing questions and, you know, the young minds were so on fire for the truth and wanting to know these, you know, all these questions about the meaning of the universe, all these things. And so I was wanting to basically go to the college where he went. And so I went to the summer program and there I went and it was so amazing to see a really Catholic campus. And here you really have a dress code that is modest for both girls and boys, separated dorms and daily mass and the mass you I, if i remember correctly it's been a long time since i've been in college but mass you would have one in the morning one in the afternoon and one in the evening and there was added a 10 p.m mass just in case you needed to go to mass that day and it was 10 p.m amazing four masses a day i don't know if they still do that but at my time they did that and when I would go to Mass, I would love to sing, so I tried out for the choir there, and we would just sing beautiful polyphony Masses, beautiful motets, and I'd never, ever experienced Mass like that. And by the way, that was during the time in my life where I actually did not like the old Mass. And so I liked the Novus Ordo Mass, the new Mass, but in Latin. And so the, fee- the priest would be saying everything in Latin, but it would be the same structure as the new Mass. And so we would sing beautiful music for that and chants, etc. And I would actually only go to the old Mass once a month because that was the time of the indult, where the Latin Mass was basically traveling Sunday to Sunday from different place to different place. And so here they only had the Latin Mass once a month. But I would go to that and I would feel like, oh, this is a little bit cold for me. I don't quite understand. I can't really participate. So it really turned me off, actually. And so, no, I didn't really learn about the Latin Mass. That is the old Latin Mass, right? The Usus Antiquior, the old Latin Mass, until I came to St. Michael's Abbey. So, I was basically on this campus, and it was just really a vibrant Catholic life. People were loving the truth, they wanted to live beautiful moral lives, um, and, you know, we just wanted to seek the things of true Catholic liberal education. And here, the word liberal here means that education is something that frees your mind. It's something that frees your mind to go to God. That's what the word liberal means there. And so really studying the classics is so important because today we don't know how to read. The kids that I teach at high school, they don't know how to read. It's so painful for them to read. They only want to read the things that they want to read, um, especially on the internet or anything like this. And so we have to really, really um, see that the future of Catholic education is going to teach children and students how to read the greatest works of Western civilization well and critically and analytically, right? Really to read Shakespeare with a deep mind, to read Aristotle with a deep mind, Plato with a deep mind, St. Thomas Aquinas with a deep mind, St. Augustine with a deep mind. This is really the only salvation because nowadays when we read something, it's always, you know, maybe some like, you know, a trashy story or something like that on the internet. It's kind of like just entertainment. We're always trying to look for something entertaining on the internet. And so when we find a work that is really beautiful, but it's hard to read, hard to digest, it takes a lot of time, 
then we just get lazy and we're like, ah, I don't have time for this. I'm just going to read something more fun or watch a movie or Netflix or just do something else besides trying to really read the great classics. And so at TAC, Thomas Aquinas College, where I went, we really read these works. And, you know, obviously we don't read them that well because, you know, obviously students are lazy sometimes. But, you know, you really try to read these works and they're very difficult to read. Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Shakespeare, Einstein. We actually read Einstein's general and special theory of relativity there. We read Euclid. We do his propositions in geometry. We study calculus there according to the ancient sources of Newton, right? We actually read the Principia of Newton, which is the whole founding of uh, modern physics, etc. And all these things we have to read, it takes time. You can't just read it like you're reading a romance novel. It just like goes down easy. But here, you really have to reread, underline, highlight, and read it really well and read it many times. And so then after that, after trying to read it, you know, taking this, you know, for example, reading one page of Aristotle, you know, would take an hour to think about, and then we would have an hour and 30 minute class on it, something like that. So here in this uh, beautiful environment, we learn how to read. And then after that, we have to learn how to talk about what we read. And so here, this kind of amazing way of learning is really interactive. You have to argue your point. You have to prove it with your text. What does the author say? And then using the help of your classmates and the tutor, we don't call our teachers teachers there, but they're actually tutors because the real teacher of the text is the author of the classical text. You know, so our real teachers are St. Thomas, St. Augustine, St you know, uh, whatever saying that we're reading there, or Aristotle or Shakespeare, it's the main author who is our teacher. And so here we learn all of these amazing things um, from the direct sources and the tutor, our teacher, guides us in our discussion. And so we really have to be proactive and we really learn. And so in this environment of real Catholic intellectual learning in a environment where you're really having a really beautiful Catholic devotional life and you have a really beautiful Catholic community where you can sit down at lunch and talk about philosophy and theology with other people or about the saints with other people. Here, I really began to find my vocation. I had really good friends and in my freshman year, all my friends were saying basically, you should be a priest, you should be a priest. And my roommate actually wrote on this little whiteboard, God wants you for his eternal priesthood. And at that time, I did not want to be a priest. I wanted to be a doctor or a musician, a pianist. I played the piano. And he actually wrote that on our little blackboard, but in permanent marker. And so it couldn't come off. It was really, really funny. So the whole year, it was just there. God wants you for his eternal priesthood. That was my freshman year. And we had some other uh, roommates there, and they were just very insistent. Yeah, you should be a priest. You should be a priest. So they were really good friends. So I really attribute um, friendship, good Catholic friendship, also to my vocation. Then, when I was a sophomore, I really was struck by the habit of a Benedictine, who was the chaplain there. And when I saw his black habit, I was just smitten. I was, I just stopped dead in my tracks because I saw that habit and I saw what it represented, namely give everything to Jesus all the time. That habit means pure sacrifice all the time. When I saw that, I wanted 
to be a priest. And at that time, I didn't even know there was a difference between a religious priest and a diocesan priest. I thought to be a priest, you just have to give everything to Jesus all the time, which is actually true. But here, this is with the added vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. So when I saw that habit, I was just smitten and I wanted to do the same thing. I still remember seeing this priest walk across the courtyard and I just said, I want to give everything to Jesus. And so, after that, I started talking with my friends. We started reading more spiritual works. At lunch, we would talk about St. Faustina. That was our St. Faustina day. And then we would pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And then after that, um, I would just do private prayer, learning how to pray more and more, learning to love how to pray, and just going through that. And finally, I really decided I really want to be a priest. This is what God is calling me to. And so then I visited uh, the monks at Clear Creek, and here is really the providence of God. I mean, I really love the Old Mass so much, um, as you probably know, and they only do the Old Mass there. So when I went to do the Old Mass, uh, when I went to go visit Clear Creek, they only did the Old Mass. We were there for the Easter Trinum, and it was just so amazing. I mean, they live a beautiful life. I was super impressed. So Catholic, so monastic, so St. Benedict's charism. And here... When I was going through the masses there, it was just actually very cold to me. I was still at the point where I didn't understand what was happening at the Trinity Mass. So it was just very put-offish. I didn't really like it at all. And so I didn't join them, um, even though they only do the old mass. And so instead, I went to visit the Norbertines because we had a Norbertine chaplain um, and Father Michael Perea, and he took us to the Abbey. And when I saw all of the seminarians there. I saw them praying together, doing everything together, wanting to save souls together. They were just all on fire for God and the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Holy Eucharist, and they treated Mass so beautifully. They had Mass in Latin. Uh, it was still the new Mass, right? Um, and I saw all these things, and it was just, that was the place for me. So, I um, immediately, uh, after graduating from college, I wanted to enter, and um, I wanted to enter, and when I found out that I was entering the Norbertines, I had gone through the whole process, made a visit right afterwards, and um, here, after I found that I entered, actually, it was quite providential, I learned that St. Norbert's feast day in the new calendar is on June 6th. And then I was so amazed because that's actually my birthday. So that happened after the fact because here you would think that, oh, UK, I found out that St. Norbert's on my birthday is another confirmation that, you know, I should join the Norbertines. But no, actually it was the other way around. I chose the Norbertines. I wanted to go there because God was calling me there. And after much prayer, I decided to go to Norbertines and fulfill God's law and God's will there. And then I found out as a confirmation beautifully afterwards that I was born on the day that St. Norbert died. And so that was just really amazing. So right after TAC, I graduated from TAC. And then right afterwards, I entered in the following August. And I remember that there was a plan, a trip that I had to go to with my family.
And this was to Rome. We had a family trip planned in Rome. But I had to enter the Abbey before um, this trip was going to happen. And so the trip had already been bought for, paid for everything. My whole family was going to go. And I had to give that up. (laughs) I had to give all that up and just enter the Abbey and leave everything behind. So it was a great sacrifice. And it was good. You know, it was good for me. Because eventually I did go to Rome. And I studied there for a year. You know, learning the harpsichord, learning chant learning theology and just really going to churches all the time and just looking at the beautiful art and architecture and praying in those churches. So I eventually did get to go to Rome for a year to study. So God always, always, always rewards us for our sacrifices. And so here, let us really see um, whenever a vocation story is told, right? God works in our lives so powerfully and he is so amazing to give us all these influences. My parents, my teachers, my friends, all of these things, priests, the witness of the religious life, all of these things just come together in such beauty and glory. And God weaves our lives together and then brings us to the state we're in. I can't believe I'm a priest. Um, This is my seventh year as a priest already. And all of the things that have happened in my vocation story is just really it's only providence. It's only providence. How God could, you know, change, you know, this like, you know, bratty kid who doesn't want to do his homework at all and using, you know, the tools of his providence, namely parents and friends, etc. All of these things um, in order to shape my life and piano and all the music you know, education that I got. I took piano so long and performed in so many competitions and concerts, etc. And then God really uses that even in all the chant and all the music and all the meditations on music that I do. All of these things, nothing is is a waste. And, you know, playing the organ for the Abbey, all these things come together. And so God is so amazing to really weave our lives together. And he uses everything in our lives for his glory. We have to, and we have to let him. No matter what, he will always use everything for his glory. And we just have to make sure that it's always good things in our lives and not the bad things. And so God can change anything into his glory And he will, whether we want to or not, but hopefully we will be on board and we will be one with his will and everything that we do will be for his glory. So we praise God and my story is just one of them, one of many uh, vocation stories and how God really acts in our lives. And so uh, we really thank God and please pray for me that I may be a priest who perseveres and who has at the center of his life Our Lady, the Holy Mass, the administration of the sacraments, and a deep prayer life. It's so important. It's so important. And so here, please pray for me and all priests that we may be like St. John Vianney, St. Padre Pio. They were priests who were known for their deep prayer. Not for anything, you know, they did so many things, right? Miracles, levitation, you know, all these, you know, St. Padre Pio is so amazing, knowing uh, people's sins before they even say it, amazing things. And yet what he was known for was his love of prayer. And that's what he taught his spiritual daughters. St. John Vianney, always about mental prayer, mental prayer, mental prayer. And so for priests, this is a very difficult thing to do well. 
So please pray for all priests that we may stay faithful to our mental prayer. We talked about mental prayer, right? It's very difficult even for priests, right? Stay faithful to our mental prayer. Fight, fight, fight to love God and be with God in mental prayer. This is so important for priests today. God bless you so much. And let's pray hard for the sanctity of priests that we may have holy, holy, saintly, saintly priests. Because if we don't have priests, we don't have the Eucharist. If we don't have holy priests... Right, the holiness of the people will just go down and down and down and down. So we pray to the Mother of Priests, Our Lady, Queen of all the universe, Queen of Priests, Mother of Priests, to enliven the devotion, faith, hope, and charity within the hearts of her priests' sons. All glory and honor be to Our Lady and Our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to The Beauty of Our Catholic Heritage with Father Jacob Shea. If this program has been a blessing to you, please encourage others to listen as well. For more information, visit spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. May God be with you this day and always. listening to the Spirit-Filled Radio Network. Tell a friend. No, tell 10 friends. Are you happy with your weight? Did you add extra pounds during the past year? If your weight is an issue, the Heaven Sent Weight Loss Program is your answer. With Gil Yearly as your coach, and by the way, Gil has worked with our bishops, priests, and hundreds successfully over the past 10 years with Heaven Sent Weight Loss. In fact, Archbishop Gomez lost 24 pounds in 30 days on this program. It's fast, safe, cost-effective. Women lose between 15 to 25 pounds, men 20 to 30 plus in just 30 days. Blood work will decrease. Your doctor will be happy. The best thing you'll do physically is the Heaven Sent Weight Loss Program. To get started, go to spiritfilledradio.org forward slash weight loss. That's spiritfilledradio.org forward slash weight loss. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.